Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here you go. Here you go. Before we get to the word of the day today, on which is Monday, October 2nd, I wanted to touch on two things. Number one, I want to start with the passing of Tim Wakefield. Tim Wakefield was a pitcher who during the majority of my career was playing, maybe all of my career. He was the knuckleball pitcher we talked about last week where uh, an unnamed ridiculous person called out his sickness. He wanted to pass away in peace. He did not but he did pass away yesterday. Tim Wakefield won the World Series twice. People may remember that with the Red Sox, won 200 games. He leaves behind a wife and two kids, 57 years old. Tim Wakefield, rest in peace. That is, uh, that was the biggest negative of a weekend in Major League Baseball, which should have been a celebration weekend, but it could not be because of Tim Wakefield. The celebration happened in Detroit and Miggy Cabrera gets a special part of the show. We don't do a lot before words of the day usually. We always start with that. But I spent quite a bit of time watching Miguel Cabrera throughout this season. It was his final season. He had his final game. You spend a lot of time when a Hall of Famer, first ballot Hall of Famer is retiring. You figure out, what you're going to do for his final game. And the Detroit Tigers did it absolutely perfectly. A funny thing about the pitch clock rule, and that seems like a non sequitur, but the Detroit Tigers had to call Major League Baseball and inform them of all the times that they were going to need extra time. Because if they hadn't done that, and then they celebrated Miguel Cabrera and there was a delay, there would be a strike called or a ball called because it would be a pitch clock violation. But they called Major League Baseball, they called Michael Hill, and they went through all the different things they were gonna do with Miguel Cabrera. Lest you think it wasn't staged, it was. Rehearsed, it was. Discussed with Miguel beforehand, it was. Getting Miguel out there to play first base for a half inning. He hadn't even picked up a glove this entire year. He didn't even have a glove. He used a teammate's glove to play first base for half inning. He had a ball hit to him. People, conspiracy theorists, oh, that's done on purpose. No, the ball just tends to find a player. It's the old story. But Miguel got to play a little defense. He did not get a hit in his final at-bat. He went 0 for 3 with a walk. He had his three kids out there throwing out the first pitch, announcing him. And then when he was pulled from the game in the eighth inning, everyone goes out and congratulates him. Miguel Cabrera, when we called him up, he was a infielder and we needed him to play left field because we were not getting production from a player named Todd Hollinsworth back in 2003. 
we called down to our minor league player development people and said, do us a favor, if you don't mind, could you please play Miguel Cabrera in left field? And we were gonna give him five games or seven games to get used to left field. One game in the minor leagues, check it. After one game playing left field, he called down and said, all right, we're bringing him up. He comes up on June 20th of 03, hits a walk-off home run against the Tampa Bay Devil Rays at that time, and the rest is history. Miguel Cabrera has a championship ring with the Marlins. He's got MVPs, triple crowns, 500 home runs, 600 doubles, a batting average over 300. The number of players who have done that in the history of baseball, 500 home runs, a 300 average, 600 doubles. How many players in history do you think have done that? Three, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, and Miguel Cabrera. To give you an idea of the type of superstar, the type of first ballot Hall of Famer, the fact that he ought to be a unanimous first ballot Hall of Famer, and there ought to be a couple coming up, one each row, two, Miguel Cabrera. He lives up in Florida, north, north West Broward. He is going to enjoy his life. They named him a special assistant to the president of the Tigers of baseball operations. He deserves everything he got. Miguel, you will be missed. We are lucky to have seen you play. It's over. Nothing personal, word of the day. October 2nd, it's a Monday, it's over. The Major League Baseball season has come to an end. Standing on the stool became a moment on my knees. That is the analogy that I've explained to you that happened each year when I had a big board in my office where I would put the schedule on a huge board that was eight feet tall. Every game, I'd write the result, the attendance, what our monthly record was each month. Wins were blue, losses were in red marker, and the season would start and I'd have to stand on a stool, and by the time the season was ending, I'd be down on my knees. And boy, it would go by in a snap. The 2023 full 162 game season came to an end and there was drama yesterday, even though there were teams, six teams or five teams clinched on Saturday, a division came down to the final game. And don't forget that this is the first year in as many years as I can remember where there were no tie break games. Every tiebreaker was done mathematically. No 163 games. What an interesting thing to happen in the first year of this situation where the winner of a division was decided by a tiebreaker. The Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros ended up tied at 90 and 72, but the Astros win their sixth consecutive AL West and the Rangers end up in a wild card series against the Rays. That is a lot to play for in the final game because the Astros Rangers winner, the ALS winner was going to get a bye because they would have had one of the two best records in the American League. 
the two top division winning records get a bye. They don't have to play this crazy wild card round, which is you've got to win two out of three at home. It's not a slam dunk. The Texas Rangers could end up, they're on the road in Tampa. They could end up gone by Wednesday night. And the Astros, by winning the division, won't even have played their first playoff game yet. So much at stake. The Seattle Mariners were playing the Texas Rangers. And the decision that a team has to make is, who do they want to win? The Mariners played it straight up. They sent Kirby, one of their best pitchers, to the mound, pitched six great innings, and the Mariners shut out the Rangers one to nothing. We'd always have a discussion, and the way it's supposed to work, what you're told, is you've got to play your guys You've got to, no matter what your feelings are about which team you're going to hurt or help by playing your guys for the integrity of the game, we want your best out there, even if it means nothing to you. Our view of that was absolutely not. We are not going to sacrifice a pitcher who in theory could be shut down and not have to pitch again if the game is meaningless to us. If it's a pitcher who's going to be a free agent, let him pitch. But our top position players are top pitchers. We would not want them pitching final game of the season when the players are simply playing as quickly as they can to be done with the season. But give the Mariners credit. They did it, and they beat the Rangers. I was pretty damn impressed with this season. The result of the divisions, the wild card winners, was something that as a president of a small market team, low revenue team, everyone in the commissioner's office, very, very happy. Not just with the attendance that they announced getting back to 2017 levels, but the fact that there were six new teams in the playoffs this year. And listen to who the teams are. The Orioles, low revenue. The Twins, low revenue. The Diamondbacks, low revenue. The Marlins, low revenue. The Brewers, small market. And the Rangers. The Rangers got rewarded for spending money. But everybody else got rewarded for being smart. Not to say the Rangers aren't smart. Just to say that they made the playoffs as a wild card and they didn't get much out of DeGrom. You want new teams in the playoffs every year. It's a good number. In theory, out of 14 teams, if you can have half the teams, seven new teams each year, that is the type of messaging that you give, which is there is great competitive balance. That is a code word. Competitive balance, meaning every team has hope when the season starts. You ignore the fact that the Royals, the Rockies, the A's were terrible. The White Sox were terrible even though the White Sox had hope before the season started. God, the White Sox, we didn't even put them in the rundown, Coca. They lost 101 games. Ugh. They were the most underperforming team in all of baseball. You'd think it'd be the Mets. You'd think it would be the Padres. You'd think it would be the Yankees. It was actually the White Sox, given what their preseason over-under was versus what their final win total was. The White Sox were the worst of all the teams. 
So the benefit of having these new teams that are smaller markets and low revenue teams is that owners look around and say, wow, we don't need to spend all this money. We don't need to spend money on the top end of free agency. We can try to be smarter. Let's get smarter people and we can win with less. That's music to the ears of the commissioner and nails on a chalkboard to the union. When owners are done and when front offices are done with their season, they'll do end of season press conferences and they will all sound alike. The press conferences will sound and we'll cover them as they happen. But look for this when you start reading about your favorite team that didn't make the playoffs and what's gonna be said like when David Stearns gets introduced. The general principle that you say is, we need to get better in all facets of the game and the work starts today. And that's not hyperbole because for the teams which got eliminated and whose season ended yesterday, the front offices don't even take Monday off. They are back to work starting planning for spring training and for next season. Because the crazy part about baseball is that we haven't even started the postseason. October, November, December, January. We are four and a half months away from spring training. That's it. Tomorrow's show, we are gonna preview the four series that start tomorrow. But I wanna go over a few things that happened in the regular season that are worth noting. And I wanna start with the Marlins. Very disappointing for all people who think that I'm not rooting for the Marlins, you got it wrong. I was not rooting for Derek Jeter. Now that Derek Jeter has been fired, I want Kim Ang, I want Bruce Sherman. I want the Marlins to succeed. I want them to win a World Series because selfishly, I wanna be part of a franchise's legacy that is a successful franchise. A third World Series in as many trips to the playoffs after a 162 game season, that would be a record. The Marlins made the playoffs in 97 as a wild card, won the World Series. They made the playoffs in 03 as a wild card, won the World Series. They made the playoffs in 23 as a wild card. How about it? The Marlins have as good a chance as any to beat Philadelphia, to beat Atlanta, get to the World Series. Who knows? Watching the Marlins celebrate, watching the owner Bruce Sherman and how happy he was. This is the time of year when more than any, I miss baseball. I miss being in the game. Coke, I was forgot to tell you this yesterday. Champagne celebrations are triggering for me, but in a positive way because I go back and I look at the empty champagne bottles I have in my office. And I think about the fact that of course we didn't use goggles. I can't stand people who use goggles. Get the sting, the sting is worth it. And then I realize how lucky I was to have even been able to do that one time. Although we had several champagne celebrations, but over one season is what I mean. And then of course my head goes to the dark side about how I spent 14 years trying to get it back and couldn't and how sad I am for my son who was never a part of it, having been born in 03 and could never get him a playoff victory or even a playoff appearance. But the Miami Marlins with injuries, their rotation is injured, their best hitter, Arias is injured. He got one at bat and can barely walk. 
The Marlins, who made great deadline acquisitions, which is what every team tries to do. Do you remember when Atlanta won the World Series in 2019 or 21? I can't remember which year. I think the Nationals were 19, so the Braves were 21. And their deadline acquisitions were uh, Duval and Rosario and Soleil, Solaire. And they helped the Braves win the World Series. Who's to say Jake Berger, who's to say Josh Bell can't help the Marlins get to and win the World Series? The, Bra the uh, Marlins made an interesting trade in the offseason. And it's one of those rare baseball trades where both sides are winners. Do you remember Luis Arias getting traded from Minnesota to Miami? And that he won that batting title for the Twins last year? Well, Arias got traded and he won the batting title for the Marlins. First player to ever win a batting title two straight years, two different teams, two different leagues. And the starter that was traded back to Minnesota is starting game one of the playoffs for the Twins. That's Pablo Lopez. Now, there were two prospects that were traded along with Pablo Lopez, which made it a pretty heavy deal. But that said, that's a successful trade for both teams. Kim Ang should be congratulated. Go Marlins. I want to give love to the Atlanta Braves, and that hurts me. I spent my career in the NL East. I do not like any teams in the NL East. They're, I mean, the Mets are the least favorite team of mine, always were. Phillies, Braves come in second. Nationals, whatever. But the Atlanta Braves made history this year. Their offense is unstoppable. Now, the theory is that great offenses are great during the regular season, but don't get you jewelry. But the Braves offense is so far superior to any offense I've ever seen from top to bottom. We say that a lot as an analyst on CBS. I'll get on the, on the microphone and I'll get on TV and say, the Atlanta Braves have a strong lineup from top to bottom. They have no weaknesses. They've got good starting pitching. They've got a bullpen that's good enough, but their lineup is stacked. And generally, you don't really mean that it's fully stacked, one to nine. You mean like the top five are damn good. The Atlanta Braves finished with the outright leader in the following stats offensively. Runs scored, Acuna. Hits, Acuna. Home runs, Matt Olson. RBIs, Matt Olson. Stolen bases, Acuna. Total bases, Acuna. Wins, Strider, their pitcher. Strikeouts, Strider, their pitcher. Do you know that no team has had an MLB leader in more than five of those eight categories ever, ever. They had eight players with more than 65 runs batted in. Five of them had more than 95. Four of them had more than 100. I think they had five or six players with first time ever, four players with 35 home runs, and then maybe seven of them had 25 home runs or more. Simply remarkable. As the Braves take these few days off and get ready to face the winner of the Phillies Marlins, it's an entire National League East bottom of the bracket. Phillies play the Marlins and the winner plays the Braves. The Braves are gonna win the World Series.
but I'm not going to spoil my predictions tomorrow. Now, that's the good side of the National League East. Marlins, Braves. How about the bad side of the National League East? I want to warn everybody that the following segment contains mature themes, no nudity, but call 1-800-M-A-T-T-H-E-W-C-O-C-A if this segment triggers you and you want to talk to somebody. Buck Showalter and the New York Mets have parted ways. He got canned, folks. This isn't a surprise. What is a surprise is again how clumsy the Mets are. Could someone please go to the rescue of the Mets? They need a team president so badly. Can you think of anyone who could be the president of the Mets? I can think of a few people. Buck Showalter took the microphone and said, there's a new president of baseball operations coming. I thought this was B the right time for me to step away. I have nothing but love and appreciation for the New York Mets. All right, that seems good. I went on CBS breaking news and told you that Buck Showalter got fired. There's no chance that he resigned, but we were going with the, he resigned. Until Steve Cohn did it again, the owner, We are heading in a new direction with a new president of baseball operations. And we let Buck know we'll be parting ways. That means they met with Buck Showalter and fired him. Why would Steve Cohn need to say that? If you're gonna let Buck leave with respect and you call him a generational manager, You call out how great he was when the Mets won 101 games last year and made it to the postseason. You wish him the best of luck in his next chapter. You gave him the right to resign. And then in a statement, you said you fired him. What the actual bleep? It makes no sense. And then the line that always made me smile. This is not a reflection on Buck. Buck did everything we wanted him to do. Obviously, this season was a disappointment, but it's not Buck's fault. It spread across the organization. (laughs) That's an HR nightmare, just FYI. If you're letting someone go in your own company, you don't publicly say or say to them, first of all, don't ever meet with an employee one-on-one when you're terminating them, always have a third person, someone from HR, you and then the person being let go. And if it's just HR doing it, make sure there's two people. You never want a he said, he said situation. But in any case, when you do let someone go, what you do not say is, hey, like a relationship, it's not you, it's me. You did everything in your job description, you did it great. Raise your hands if you're an ERISA attorney. Get to me at David P. Sampson or find me on my podcast website, davidsampsonpodcast.com, and just let me know out of curiosity if you appreciate Steve Cohen's comments.
this is not a reflection on Buck. Of course it's a reflection on Buck. You've got to say it, even if you don't believe it. So that's one opening. We should have mentioned Terry Francona at the top of the show before we got to the word of the day. Terry Francona, Hall of Fame manager, is leaving the Guardians. They've got an opening. He's had health issues. He has stuck through it. He is one of the most popular managers for both owners, presidents, commissioner's office, and players, and GMs. Very rare. Not necessarily popular with everyone in his family. Not necessarily, who knows? Hard to win a popularity contest when you're in the baseball world because you're away so much. But he leaves the Guardians, and they are looking for a new manager. Third team looking for a new manager. The San Francisco Giants. Out of nowhere, after winning 107 games in 2021 and winning the division, Gabe Kapler was fired. They did it with three games left to go, so they fired him on Friday. And what struck me about this firing is that I need to please teach you a quick thing. Farhan Zaidi is the president of baseball operations. Very analytical, very smart. Other than signing Michael Conforto, is pretty good at what he does. When he fired Gabe Kapler, he came out and said, after making this recommendation to ownership and receiving their approval, I met with Gabe today to inform him of our decision. And then he went on to say how great it was and how he led us through COVID, unprecedented, we had a franchise record. I have tremendous respect for him as a colleague and friend. Can we please agree that when you fire someone, and we've seen this so many times this season, when Jerry Reinsdorf fired his people, he's like a son to me. Farhan fires Kapler. He's a friend. We wish him and his family the best. Great respect for him. Give me a break. I thought it was interesting that Farhan wants you to believe that he went to Greg Johnson, the owner, to say, hey, let's fire Gabe Kapler. When 99 times out of 100, the owner goes to the general manager and says, I am so pissed off about what happened. There's got to be a change. But I don't want to look like a meddling owner. I don't want anyone to think I'm a meddling owner. So what we're going to say is that you came to me with this idea. Is this the one time in a hundred or a thousand where the GM went to the owner and said, you know, I think we should make a change here. Maybe, but I sure as heck wouldn't bet on it. It's going to be very interesting who Gabe Kapler is replaced by. When you are changing managers because of lack of performance, but you're not changing general managers, you generally go from one extreme to another. Gabe Kapler intense, Gabe Kapler analytic, Gabe Kapler sort of former player, two-time manager, very tough exterior. When you have a disciplinarian, you then hire a player's manager, an easygoing guy, a Joe Madden type. When you're done with Joe Madden, you tend to go to the player type. David Ross, a little more discipline, talking about the Cubs. The San Francisco Giants are gonna hire a manager totally different than Gabe Kapler. It's not gonna be about Gabe Kapler, it will not be about his body, his biceps, his workout, his analytics, his sort of strict way of being. 
Wait to see what happens there with the Giants. Not an official wait to see, but I assure you their next manager will be the anti-Gabe Kapler. And guess what? It's not going to make the difference. Okay, let's go through some wait to sees. Wait to sees when we tell you something's going to happen. When it does, we'll revisit it. When it doesn't, we revisit it. During the course of the past year, we gave you a bunch of baseball wait to sees. All that we're going to come do at the end of the season. And it's time to revisit so you can think about the things that I told you before the season started and whether they were right or wrong. Let's start with way back on November 16th, 2022. Do you remember the pitcher for the Dodgers named Tyler Anderson, who was offered a qualifying offer and declined it? And I thought that he would accept it. But I didn't realize that the Los Angeles Angels were going to give him a $40 million contract. I totally forgot that Artie Moreno doesn't know how to sign pitchers. Not for lack of trying. And I told you that Tyler Anderson would have a way better 22 than 23. He was 15 and five with a 2.5 ERA for the Dodgers. Guess what he did for the Angels? You got it, a 5.43 earned run average. He was hardly worthy of $40 million. That's a yes. When the Rangers made their big move with DeGrom on December 2nd, 2022, I told you the Rangers were gonna miss the playoffs and finish behind the Mariners. Nope, I was off by one game. When the Padres did all of their ridiculousness and moved their payroll where it was going, back on December 8th of 2022, I said the Padres will not win the pennant. And the Padres at that time were the it team. Guess what? They didn't win the pennant, that's a yes. Remember when Noah Syndergaard got signed by the Dodgers and Andrew Heaney left the Dodgers to go to the Rangers? Well, on December 15th, I said Noah Syndergaard will have a worse season than Andrew Heaney, wait to see, and I was right. That's a yes. On December 22nd of 22, when the Mets were making all their offseason moves, signing Verlander, raising their payroll to $2.5 billion, everyone was excited. Coca, Riley, everybody, the Mets are gonna win the World Series. I said, no chance, toilet pants. The Mets will not win the World Series. That's a yes. Then on January 23rd of 2023, the Miami Marlins made that big announcement that Jazz Chisholm is gonna play center field. And I said, all right, but here's a way to see. Chisholm will not even play 100 games in center field. And not even playing 100 games, guess what? That's not good. You know how many games Jazz Chisholm played this year? 97. He can go ahead and celebrate. He can be the face of the show. He can be the face of the young audience that MLB so badly craves. But if you're gonna hit in the 240s, 250s, and only play 97 games, you're not a superstar. You're a role player. That way to see was correct. On February 14th of 2023, spring training was beginning. I told you that the Yankees will never cross the Steve Cohn tax threshold. The Steve Cohn tax threshold is the top competitive luxury tax, top competitive balance tax number that Steve Cohn whizzed by. 
The Yankees had holes. We knew the Yankees were not going to be as good as people thought. But I said to you, Hal Steinbrenner will not cross that threshold. Guess what? They didn't. I got another one for you. I said Garrett Cole would give up fewer than 33 home runs this year. Remember how many he gave up last year? That was February 21st. That's a yes. God, I was on fire. How about these over-unders I did his wait to seize? Ready? Yankees, under 93 and a half. Got it right. Mets, under 93 and a half. Got it right. Padres, under 93 and a half. Got it right. Angels, under 82 and a half. Got it right. St. Louis, over 88 and a half. Uh-oh, got that one wrong. First one. Then I gave you a parlay, don't forget. Houston, Atlanta, Dodgers would all win 90 or more games. Nailed it. Houston got its 90th win, clinching the division yesterday. Marlins, Orioles, Diamondbacks would all win 72 or more games. Nailed it. God, was I on fire. On March 31st of 2023, I said Patrick Corbin, Corbin was going to get released by the Nats. He did not. I'm shocked that he made it through the whole season. Even for the Nats, I can't believe they gave him that many starts. When Ozuna got suspended and got DUI and got domestic violence, I told you that the Braves were going to designate him for assignment, that he should not be a distraction to the Braves. And my friend Marcelo Ozuna got himself back together. So on April 26th, I told you he was going to get DFA'd. He wasn't. We got that wrong. August 9th of 2023, I said no Braves would play 162 games. Got that wrong. I can't believe they had Matt Olson play yesterday. And then on August 10th, when Michael Lorenzen got the no-hitter, I said, by the way, it's nice that Michael Lorenzen was, got a no-hitter. Congratulations. He's not going to start game one of the playoffs for the Philadelphia Phillies. As excited as everyone was, it's Zach Wheeler. Before I go to break, someone just asked a quick question. And since we're live on Nothing Personal with David Sampson, I wanted to try to answer this during the show. If you're live, thank you so much for doing that. Someone asked whether that the Giants went by firing Gabe Kapler with three games left, whether or not that means they have no respect for Gabe Kapler. And with Farhan's quote about how much respect and love and friend, colleague, that actually is a sign of respect. And the respect is that you give him a chance to say his goodbyes and you give him a chance to decide whether he wants to manage out the rest of the season. I always like doing that. We would tell coaches and managers as quickly as we could in the last weekend of the season. If we didn't have a final decision from our owner, we'd have to wait till the season ended but you generally like to give people as quick as you can what their future is so they can get their locker cleaned out, they can say their goodbyes, exchange phone numbers, whatever they're going to do. So I actually view it as though they did have respect. All right, when we come back, we are going to talk about the NFL because some things happened that we really need to address. And there's only one thing I can promise you, I am not gonna mention the name Taylor Swift. We'll be right back. Mother's Day is around the corner. 
Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing. We keep breaking records every week, literally. So please keep telling people about the show because we're going to keep going. While the focus was on baseball, we did have week four of the NFL season. It's already week four. That's how fast it goes. A couple things. I texted Coca when the Broncos were getting their asses kicked by the Bears. And I said, I think Sean Payton may just walk off the sideline and back into the studio right now. He may resign at halftime. Wouldn't you know it, he came back and the Broncos ended up beating the Bears and saving maybe his job, maybe his season, maybe his sanity. But the bigger story from that game, even though they came back from 21 down to beat the Bears, the bigger story is what's going on in Chicago. There's a player they have, a wide receiver named Chase Claypool. Doesn't matter who he is if you've never heard of him. They traded a second round pick to get him, which is a pretty good draft capital to get a wide receiver, and he's been okay. But the controversy surrounding Chase Claypool that manifested itself yesterday shows if you are Kevin Warren, who is the new president of the Bears, having moved there, formerly the commissioner of the Big Ten, you better start doing your job because you've got a problem on your football side. And it's not a problem that your team's lost 13 or 14 in a row. It's not a problem that you're the worst team in football and you're going to get maybe the top two picks in the draft again, whatever. Here's the problem. When you've got a player who's inactive, you've got to make sure that the coach, the player, the front office, the PR department, everyone's got to be on the same page. Otherwise, you look like it's amateur hour. And the Chicago Bears did the following. Chase Claypool was ruled inactive. This is after he had been interviewed and asked whether, hey, do you think that the problem with you this year and the problem with the Bears is that you've not been put in the best position as a receiver to showcase your skills? 
And he responded and said, no, you're correct. They have not put me in the best position to succeed. Totally embarrassing to the coaching staff for a player to say that. So Claypool was told, hey, don't even bother coming to the game. You're inactive on Sunday. When the Bears coach, remember that guy, Matt Eberflus, who we've talked about, all of those issues they're having in Chicago? When he was asked about cesspool, about, oh my God, 4869, Coca. When Eberflus was asked about Claypool, he said that it was up to him to either come to the game against the Broncos or not. And he chose not to come therefore making the player out to be the bad guy. But on the very same day, a spokesperson for the Bears, which is someone in the PR department said, the team actually told Claypool he can't come to the game. That's what you do. You don't ever make it unless you're trying to embarrass the player, trade the player, fine the player, suspend the player, embarrass the player, you don't say that a player had an opportunity to be at a game and chose not to be with his teammates unless it's true because it creates a major problem in the clubhouse. And it turns out it wasn't even true. The Bears told them not to come. It's damn embarrassing. If you are a Bears fan, now, it's not gonna impact their stadium deal. It doesn't mean Arlington's not going to want to do a deal with them or Gurney or the city of Chicago. It just means the Bears stink. The second thing that interested me yesterday, lots of talk in Miami. And I lived in Miami from 2002 to 2020. I lived in Broward but worked in Miami from 2012 to 2020. Miami's having a moment. The Panthers had a run to the Stanley Cup. The Heat had a run to the finals. The Marlins clinched a playoff spot for the first time in a full season in 20 years. And then you've got the Dolphins. Tua's gonna win the MVP. They just dropped a 70-burger last week. They're playing the Bills. They're the number one ranked team. Everything's amazing. Meanwhile, they got spanked by the Bills. Absolutely crushed. The Dolphins' vaunted defense gave up 48 points. Their unbelievable offense only scored 20. They lost by four touchdowns. Josh Allen showed to a, hey there, my name's Josh Allen. I'm really good. What does it mean for the Dolphins? It means that the delusion ends. When you're 3-0, and it feels so good. It's like winning your first 30 games of an MLB season. You feel like you're unbeatable. You're the Tampa Bay Rays. It doesn't mean the Dolphins aren't gonna make the playoffs, but what it does mean is the Dolphins are not the best team in football, not even close. It's a tough pill to swallow. And I end my observations on the NFL season with the Chiefs-Jets game. Yes, I had the Chiefs needing to cover to win a parlay. Yes, Patrick Mahomes could have gone right into the end zone and the Chiefs would have covered and beaten the Jets by 10 instead of three when the line was nine. And yes, Patrick Mahomes slid down shy of the goal line. 
but no, I wasn't pissed. Because when you put a bet on a game, you have to recognize the players are gonna play the game right. The Jets did not have any timeouts. By sliding down and getting a first down, the game's over. Even if you're up 10, well, you're up 10, the game could be over. Weird stuff happens. Mahomes sliding was the right play. Zach Wilson had a great game, maybe because Aaron Rodgers was in there, showed up with his crutches, showed up on his phone during the game, texting with Zach Wilson. Great job, buddy. Zach Wilson outplayed Patrick Mahomes, and the Chiefs still won the game. Nothing personal pick of the day. Did you notice, Coco, what I didn't talk about the Chiefs-Jets game? Because I refused to talk about it. Shake it off like a light switch. Nothing personal pick of the day. I don't mean Broadway, Joe. We are 134 and 136. Friday night, we told you the Brewers were going to beat the Cubs. They did. Saturday, we said the Astros were going to beat the Diamondbacks, and they did. Sunday, we gave you a parlay and almost had it. The Bills beat the Dolphins in the money line. We needed the Chiefs to cover. They didn't. So we went 2-1 and one over the weekend. We are 134 and 136. Tonight, there's a Monday night game. The Chiefs are at home against the Seattle Seahawks. I expect Eli Manning to outplay Russell Wilson. I think the Giants getting one and a half is excessive. So we are taking the Giants plus one and a half at home versus the Seahawks. I did not get to the Celtics trade for Drew Holiday. We are gonna try to get to that tomorrow because that was fascinating. I did not get to mentioning that Aaron Judge likely gave it away yesterday when meeting the media. So for all Yankee fans, get ready for Cashman and Boone, neither one to be let go. Aaron Judge gave us the roadmap to both Boone and Cashman Stain when he met the media. Boone asked Sean Casey to be the hitting coach next year. That would give you an indication that Boone is coming back. But today is the day when we are gonna see what is happening with any other teams. We're gonna get rid of managers. I told you it won't be the Yankees making any announcement today because of all the analysis they're gonna be doing. On tomorrow's show, we will preview the playoffs, make our predictions for all of October, remind you what the Celtics just did in getting Drew Holiday, all of which pales in comparison to the biggest news of tomorrow. And that is on davidsampsonpodcast.com, there will be a new shirt, our second new shirt. We dropped horse hockey and you guys have gotten so many, so many great photos you sent me in your horse hockey shirts. Thank you so much. We've got another new shirt with another expression from nothing personal that is on the shirt. It will be available starting tomorrow. And one of you won the contest because you guessed exactly what it will be. And until then, I say it's just business. See you tomorrow. This is nothing personal.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.